We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And I am doing this. What is this, you might ask? Well, this is your one-stop shop for all sports in the metro Atlanta area as well as Cobb County. This is What's the Good Word. I am your host, Joshua Julian. Steven is not with me. Steven is our resident Georgia Tech expert. If you know this podcast, you know that it started as a Georgia Tech podcast. And now we are expanding it to all the other sports that I follow and that we follow as the um, What's the Good Word podcast figured I could bring some insight into this. There's plenty of podcasts out there, but none that do it like this. I was a person who has been a fan and is trying to get into the industry himself. So yesterday we talked about the Falcons and today we are going to be talking about the Atlanta Braves with the Falcons. We kind of set up the coaching search and who they've brought in and to, and then talked about what they're going to be doing probably in free agency, what they should be looking for. Well, with the Atlanta Braves, all I can really talk about is what they have done in the offseason because um, we're in spring training. It is the best time of year. Pitchers and catchers reported. Now all of Atlanta's lineup regulars have reported. They've got the hitters. They're doing live ABs, which we'll talk about. And it's time to bring in who talk about who's been brought in, who's coming back, and what we should expect from the Atlanta Braves. So as we know, um, last year, very disappointing ending to the season, losing to the Philadelphia Phillies again in the NLDS as their pitchers again dominated our lineup. And once again, the Atlanta Braves struggled with injuries in their rotation, had some some guys go down at very bad times, couldn't get Charlie Morton in there. Max Freed was coming off a bit of a layoff from a blister issue. Spencer Strider, bless his heart, especially in his last start, only had one pitch going for him, and he had to survive through six or seven innings with that one pitch. And anytime he threw anything else, if it was near the zone, it got absolutely hammered. Anyway, so what the Braves did this offseason, again, they they only they already had, you know, seven of their nine lineup spots filled. Uh, and so then they went out and they filled the one that they really needed to fill. Eddie Rosario will not be back, which in all fairness, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of Eddie Rosario. I think Eddie Rosario was fantastic for the Atlanta Braves in that playoff run in 2021. But ever since then, he has been very, very hit or miss. So the Atlanta Braves went out and they got somebody that I was a fan of. And I kind of wanted the Braves to try to bring in for a while now it was Jared Kelnick with the Seattle from the Seattle Mariners. Now to get him, they did trade Cole Phillips and um, to talk about Cole Phillips. That was a very intriguing trade for me just because Cole Phillips was a very fascinating guy to kind of keep up with. He hadn't pitched in pro ball in his career yet. He had been drafted in 2022. He was coming off Tommy John surgery and we didn't even see him pitch in the 2023 season. He was still recovering, but he had a huge fastball. He had a potentially plus slider. It was a guy that it looked like if he had time, the the Braves could have something special, but I understand trying to move him because in that draft class, you also had guys like Owen Murphy, guys like J.R. Ritchie. I mean, there was going to be there's going to it was going to be hard for Cole to kind of catch up with everybody. But on top of that, they also traded Jackson Coar, who was another guy that they had just acquired from the Royals for basically spare parts. The Braves did a lot of trades like that. I'm not going to cover every single one, but they also got Marco Gonzalez, who they then flipped for again, <laughs> there was just like a continuation of trades where the Braves would trade a couple pieces for a guy that they wanted 
and then once they got the guy they wanted, the other guy that was a throw-in, they would trade to another team for a player to be named later. They did that with Marco Gonzalez, with Max Stassi, with Matt Carpenter. Um, so we're not going to cover those because those more likely than not will not necessarily matter. But Jared Kelnick is going to fill the left field slot. He was a former top 10 to 5 prospect, basically raked at every single level of the minors that he was ever a part of. He had just struggled a little bit here and there at the major league level, partially because he wasn't getting a ton of at-bats um, or because he just, you know, there's always a struggle to kind of adjust. For example, in 2021, he did play 93 games for Seattle, but he only hit 181. He did hit 14 home runs, and he did draw 36 walks, but he also had 106 strikeouts. So it was a struggle to begin with. And then 2022, he only got to play in 54 games, struggled again with a 141 average. This past year was the first year that we really kind of saw him look anything similar to the prospect that everybody had fallen in love with. And in all fairness, he's 24 years old, 23 last year. So there was still plenty of time. It wasn't like he was a lost cause. But in 105 games, he hit 11 home runs, 25 doubles, and two triples, 41 walks to 132 strikeouts, 49 RBIs. He hit 253 with a 327 on base percentage and a 419 slugging percentage. He got off to an absolutely torrid start to begin the year. Um, if I bring it up real fast, his splits talking about in, you know, April, uh, the first month of the year, he hit 310 with a 631 slugging percentage. He hit um, three home runs. He had s- seven doubles and a one triple. There was just an incident at one point where he broke his foot kicking a cooler out of frustration. And that's kind of what contributed to his um a struggle of a June where he only hit 173. The other months of the year, he was around 250 to 260. Uh, the slugging was kind of, it went by the wayside after that, um, after that incident where he kicked the cooler and broke his foot. So his numbers don't look fantastic and he did still only have 372 at bats. So, it's an upside play from the Braves, and it's one that I I think is fantastic. He does have five years of control still, so if the Braves can work with him, they've got five years where they don't necessarily have to extend him. Now, if they do what the Braves normally do, he'll have, be great this year. They'll extend him for the next 10 years at a below market rate, and we'll just have an all-star team on the field like we have the last couple years. But that was the one big hole to fill. The other one, the one that I was kind of advocating for, I didn't ever expect it to actually be filled, was it shortstop? I will be 100% honest with you. I am not the biggest Orlando Arcia fan, and it's not just because of how he was acting during the Philly series. He got distracted by taunts from fans and seemed to kind of be consumed by the narrative that was going on around him. Um, I just, he, he played a little bit above his, his normal, his career norm last year, especially in the first half where he was hitting like 330. And you saw once he came back from injury, he slowly but surely dropped his average. I mean, he went from hitting, um, 330 to 264 pretty, pretty quickly, uh, struggled with some home runs and didn't hit a ton after his injury. And if ended up with 17 home runs, 65 RBIs, a 741 OPS, he is a solid big league, big league regular at shortstop. And if that's your worst player in your lineup, like he is with the Braves, that's, that's a pretty good lineup. And I have no problems with it because he's also a solid defender. He doesn't necessarily do anything to write home about, but he doesn't do anything horrible. So I just kind of wanted to see the Braves potentially, find their next guy there. Now they probably have some prospects that they are hoping does kind of take over for him from, and we'll talk about those guys in a later episode probably, but Orlando Arcia being your starting shortstop on opening day is not the worst thing in the world. Everybody else coming back in the lineup, I mean, I don't expect them to completely repeat their numbers, but Ozzie Albies, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Ronald Acuna, Michael Harris, 
um, Travis Darno, Sean Murphy. I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get out of those guys, right? That's not really a question. I don't, I doubt that Acuna can do another 40, 70 season just because the odds of him doing it again are insane. I, same thing with Matt Olson. I don't necessarily expect him to hit another 50 something home runs, but I do expect them to kind of keep the same typical type of power out um, profile. If anything, the guy that, you know, might've Austin Riley had the quietest 35 plus home run season. I think I've ever seen in my, in my life. I mean, he hit 281 with 37 home runs and he was like the fourth best hitter on the team. So, Again, I don't expect them to all to repeat their numbers, but I do expect them to stay around their career numbers. And if they stay around their career numbers, this is still probably the best offense in baseball, maybe second to the Dodgers. But I am going to take this lineup because the Dodgers, I think, are a little top heavy. Either way, the big thing that everybody was talking about coming into the offseason was, in fact, the pitching staff. Because as we saw last year, the Braves starting rotation, there's a lot of in and outs. There's a lot of people kind of getting called up. They they really played the 40-man game with a lot of their starters trying to get as many innings as they could out of a bunch of different guys. And a lot of that was because... you know They came into the season hoping that Kyle Wright was going to be their starter. He struggled with injuries. Uh, wasn't health, so got a, like some kind of surgery in January, wasn't healthy for spring training, came back, pitched like two or three games, and then had to go back on the IL. He is no longer with the team. He was actually, I believe he was the guy traded for Jackson Coar to the Royals. I don't know. We wish him nothing but the best, of course. Kyle Wright was huge in the postseason for the Braves a couple different years. But you had him hurt. Max Freed only got a couple games here and there. He was out for uh, you know the middle part of the season uh, with a couple different things. And then he had the blister issue at the end of the year. Um, you also had Charlie Morton kind of showing his age again a little bit. Uh, he was, he was solid. I mean, he was, he had a 3.64 ERA and 163 innings, 183 strikeouts. It's just, that's not kind of what you have come to expect from a guy like Charlie. Charlie has been a very, very good pitcher for a very long time. Uh, but after the last year when he had a 4.34, he is definitely more of a number three, number four type starter, as opposed to the number two he used to be. He's still very solid, but the issue was last year he kind of got pressed into duty as the number two starter for the majority of the year. Now, Spencer Strider was his normal self. He dominated, led the MLB in strikeouts, did everything that you have kind of come to expect of him, but um, he was kind of the only consistent guy in the rotation because the last guy to talk about was Bryce Elder, who had an all-star first half and a horrendous second half. And so now you're kind of hoping he splits down the middle. So the other the thing that the Braves have done to fix it is they brought in Chris Sale. Now Chris Sale has a lot of accolades on his resume, as you are very well aware, since I assume you're a baseball fan. But in the recent history, he has not been very durable, to say the least. Uh, looking at his stats, ever since 2018, when he had a 2.11 ERA and was just absolutely fantastic, he has not pitched more than 150 innings in a season and. Only pitched over a hundred twice, and there's even he didn't even pitch in 2020, which wouldn't have even counted since it's you know only a 60 game season. But anyway, so this past year, this past year he came back from injury. He pitched 102 innings. He struggled at the beginning. He had first couple starts he had a really high ERA. His last 15 starts, I believe he had an ERA around 3.16, give or take 3.15. Started to look closer and closer to the Chris Sale of old. And the best part about what Chris Sale brings to this team is he doesn't have to be the number one. He doesn't have to be the number two like he wasn't in, in in Boston. He has to be at 
best the number three, and it's kind of like a three slash three three A three B thing with Charlie Morton. They just need to be the wily veterans who give you five to six innings every night. The top two in this rotation remains the exact same people that it was last year. You've got Spencer Strider and you've got Max Fried. Um, the fifth starter spot is the one that they never fully addressed, but they're just kind of going to let everything handle itself. So they do have Bryce Elder is still there. Bryce Elder is a personal favorite of mine. I got to watch him in Gwinnett. I worked for the Gwinnett Stripers the last two years, so I got to watch Bryce Elder up close and personal. I imagine he has the inside track because I think he just, I think the odds of him splitting the difference between his first half and his second half are pretty good. So if he becomes like a high, uh, mid to high three ERA guy, that's kind of all you really need. You just need innings out of him. You don't necessarily need an ace. You just need somebody to, save the bullpen. Uh, the other contenders, especially looking at the 40 man roster, AJ Smith, Shavers will probably get some looks. Although if it was up to me, he would go back to AAA. I think he's still got a lot to develop. He's still very raw as a pitcher, as you can imagine, considering he was a three-star quarter football quarterback prospect in high school and the Braves drafted him out of high school. So he's only been focusing on, you know, baseball for like two, three years now. You also have Darius Vines, Alan Winans, both guys that made some spot starts down the stretch last year. Very similar to Bryce Elder in that they are very much more pitch-to-contact types. Uh, Won't blow you away with velocity, but they will get ground balls. All of them rely on a sinker. The interesting wild card, though, is Huascar Yanoa. If you remember Huascar Yanoa, he was a a dominating force for the Atlanta Braves at at their rotation Uh, a couple years ago. I believe 2022 was the year. Let me pull up his stats real fast to make sure. Yes, actually, it was 2021. So 2021, he had kind of come on the scene, and he he was blazing a trail of glory. He did end up with a 4.05 ERA because he struggled towards the end of that. Last last couple starts, he kind of got blown up, and that's what caused him to punch a bench and break his hand, and you didn't really see him the rest of the year. He came back for briefly in 2022 and struggled and then had to undergo Tommy John surgery. He is now healthy from that. Apparently, according to reports coming out of spring training, he looks very good. He looks healthy. He's got the velocity back. He always kind of had the wipeout slider. He's very he's kind of a two pitch pitcher, but it'll be interesting to see what he has. I imagine he will be the other main contender for that last rotation spot. Like I said, <clears throat> I think Alan Winans. I think Darius Vines are more organizational guys. I think they're going to be a break glass in case of emergency. I think the real two main guys are Huascar and Bryce, Bryce Elder because AJ Smith Shaver has a chance to be a, 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 an ace type pitcher or a very good pitcher. I think he just needs some time in the minors. The other guy getting looks is Hurston Waldrip, the Braves first round pick from last year. I am, I don't think he'll start the year in the majors, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him at least once or twice because they fast tracked him through the minors last year. They, he went all the way to triple a and I got to see him in his one start at triple a. I was in the opposing dugout. I was a bat boy for the visiting clubhouse and let me tell you, the velocity on the splitter is real. Like, he's he's hit 99 pretty consistently. The splitter was nasty. He's just got to work on control. Control is, control and command is, like, the one big question mark in his arsenal. The other big news for the Braves offseason was, um, at least on the player end, is the amount of relievers that they brought in. And they, they brought in Aaron Bummer. They brought in... They re-signed Pierce Johnson. They brought in Ray Kerr. They brought in. They signed Ronaldo Lopez to a free agent contract. They also got took some flyers on guys like Penn Murphy and Angel Perdomo. While also, um, yes, those were the main ones. So, and they re-signed Joe Jimenez as well. So they have built up a bullpen that is going to be full of guys that sling ninety-five plus. 
from both sides. I mean, when you look at their projected bullpen, which we're going to talk about in the next um, in the next part of the segment, they, there's just so much talent here. Uh, so the Braves clearly kind of had a, a plan to strengthen their pitching staff and specifically their bullpen, so that way they didn't have you know three or four guys that they trust in the postseason. The idea is every single one of those guys out there you probably trust in some way, shape, or form in the postseason. And we'll talk about that in the next segment. The only other real thing to talk about with the offseason – was the coaching turnover. They did lose, unfortunately, uh, Ron Washington, who got hired as the manager of the Angels. He took Eric Young Sr. with him over there. And to replace him, the Braves brought up Matt Tuiasasopo as the third base coach. Walt Weiss is going to be doing a lot more of the um, infield stuff. Walt Weiss, the bench coach. The Braves still have Brian Snitker. They still have uh, Kevin Seitzer. They, they, the main core of their team is still, or coaching staff is still together. They just lost a couple other things. So that is the Braves offseason summarized. So next we're going to be talking about the roster projections, early roster projections from me, as well as the expectations and what we can kind of expect to see this year from the Atlanta Braves. Now, what, who is making the team? And normally that's actually a fascinating question in spring training because a lot of teams have some questions about, oh, who's going to fill these rotation spots? What's the back of the bullpen going to look like? Maybe the bench is up in um, up for question. I don't think there's a ton of questions like that for the Braves because as I talked about previously, everybody in the starting lineup is basically set in stone. The, the Braves have their entire starting lineup already filled out. There is no question about who is going to win a certain job. So, there's going to be two catchers, Sean Murphy, Travis Darno. The infield is set in stone with Olsen, Albies, Arcee, and Riley. The outfield is set in stone, Acuna, Harris, and Kelnick. The DH is probably set in stone with Marcelo Zuna. So they that's like that's 10 spots right there already. The bench, you're probably only going to have another two guys, depending on what they do with the starting or, or like the pitching, obviously. But I would imagine they want to keep more guys in the pen. So you're probably on the bench, other than the other catcher, you're looking at Forrest Wall would be my pick for the fourth outfielder because he can play all three spots and he doesn't necessarily need or is going to demand any at-bats. He's there as a pinch runner and he is probably the most dangerous pinch runner in the game right now. He is freaky fast. So I would imagine he stays on the team. The other one is going to be a utility man type and the Braves have two guys who could fill that role. David Fletcher, who they picked up in an offseason trade, uh, with the Angels, and then Luis Guillorme, who they signed to a very, very cheap, small deal. I would lean David Fletcher personally because he's, I think he's a better contact guy, and he's got more of a history of being a good, solid hitter. I think he offers a little bit more versatility because I know he can play second, short, and probably third. I think you could even put him in a corner if you really wanted to, but I, I would lean that way, although, again, they're both very similar profiles of players. High contact, low slugging, no no strikeouts, but no real impact on on the ball. So that's that, that kind of sums up the hitters, and again, it's, it's not hard because the Braves have all of their spots taken. I mean, the only real question at some one point in the offseason was, is Vaughn Grissom going to platoon with Jared Kelnick out in left field? Well, Vaughn Grissom is no longer with the Braves, so... You know, it, it, that question's kind of gone. I highly doubt that they'll platoon him with, like, Jordan Luplo, maybe Eli White if they really like what they see, but I would imagine Eli White's going back to AAA and they're going to keep Forrest Wall because Forrest Wall is just such a dangerous pinch runner to have on the bench. Pitching-wise, as we talked about, the top four in the rotation probably set in stone unless one of them gets hurt in spring training. You know, 
knock on wood. But I would imagine for this fifth spot, they're going to stick with Bryce Elder just because he's a lot more durable. Um, out of out of camp, it'll be a lot easier to kind of work with him just because you know he's he's he doesn't really have a history of injury problems. He doesn't throw super hard, so you don't necessarily have to worry about him getting hurt. And he's he's just a solid back end innings eater. That's what we're looking for. I imagine if they want to keep developing Yanoa as a starter, they'll send him to AAA so that he gets innings because AAA is going to be looking for guys to fill those innings. Um, but as you'll see, I think that there's another potential path for him that I would do now so you don't have to worry about it later. So the bullpen is kind of where there's a little bit more intrigue, but not as much because, again, most of these guys, they were already under contract. You already had Rysel Iglesias, who has been your closer the last two years. You already had Joe Jimenez, who you just resigned. Same thing with Pierce Johnson. Those were kind of your top three guys along with A.J. Minter last year, and A.J. Minter's back again. So there's your top four that's already more or less set in stone. They committed about $10 million a year to Ronaldo Lopez, so I imagine his spot is very, very safe. They also traded five different guys for Aaron Bummer, so I imagine Aaron Bummer is more or less guaranteed a roster spot, especially since his numbers last year are a little misleading. That was bad peripherals. Um, it was great peripherals, but it was a bad outcome. He had like a six-point-something ERA, but the last couple years he had been in the twos, so I can imagine, especially since he'll only be like a sixth or seventh inning guy with the Braves, I imagine he'll bounce back just fine. The next couple spots, the last three, are going to be the interesting ones. I think Daisbel Hernandez is going to end up with a spot. The Braves seem to really like the velocity on Hernandez, considering they put him on a the postseason roster last year. So I imagine they'll bring him back again. And he's got a you know he's got a big fastball, and I think he's got the potential to be a a late inning ace. And the best part is again he'll only be he'll be like the the sixth or seventh most important guy out there. So he does he's not going to get a ton of high leverage. It's he can kind of develop at his own pace. The other one that I imagine is Ray Kerr. The Braves did pick him up. I believe he was the trade with San Diego where they also brought in um, Matt Carpenter, who they then dumped. But Ray Kerr is another guy from the left side who slings you know, 95-plus darts up there. So that'll give him Ray Kerr, A.J. Minter, and Aaron Bummer as like the three main lefties out of the pen. <clears throat> I think he'll get one of the last spots, again, just to kind of, he'll probably fill more or less the Michael Tonkin role, uh, similar to last year, or it could be somebody else. Uh, the guy, the next guy I'm going to talk about might actually be able to fill that. We'll see. But like I said, they gave up, they gave up some things to get him. I imagine they'll keep him on the roster for at least a little bit. I'll, I'll mention, talk about that in a second. But the last spot I think goes to Huascar Yanoa. And here's why. Out of the bullpen. When Huascar was a starter um, back in 2022, I, and 2020, yeah, when he was going through his run, I saw him as it looked like he could be a decent back of the rotation guy. Like, you know, he's got two good pitches. He's got a high octane fastball. He's got a sharp slider, but those were really the only two pitches he had. And we've seen, you know, Spencer Strider can make it work because his fastball is so special and his slider is so special. And the changeup has kind of gotten better to where he does kind of have a third pitch. He's also added a curveball. Apparently we'll see how that goes. But anyway, um, Huascar his stuff just isn't good enough to make it as a two pitch starter, but I looked at him and I watched him pitch and I was like, why, why would we not just develop him as a relief ace? I mean, the fastball is already sitting 96. If you put him in the pen, let him just kind of let it go for an inning. There's a chance that it could bump 99 or a hundred. The slider might even tick up a little bit. So I, if it was me, I would put him out there as one of your bullpen guys. And you can use him as the bolt guy, similar to what Michael Tonkin was. He can be the bulk guy this year because he's been a starter before. He's got experience going multiple innings and there's not 
there, he did have the stuff to do it. If he, he could probably turn a lineup over once, and that would be a very valuable thing to have out there. But I think his future role in professional baseball is as a relief ace, and I think it's time to go ahead and kind of figure that out now. Because if you do have Bryce Elder and he's kind of struggling, you can always bring up Darius Vines. You can always bring up Alan Winans. Again, you've got AJ Smith Shaver. They're even talking about stretching Ronaldo Lopez out in spring training and trying him as a starter again because he's got experience starting. I wouldn't do that personally because he struggled as a starter, and there's a reason he went to the bullpen. But you know, there's there's plenty of other options. I think having Quascar Yanoa in your bullpen is a great way to kind of prep him for the next part of his career because he's got the potential to even to be like an eighth or ninth inning guy. Like I don't, I I saw that when he was a starter. So I think they should just experiment with that, kind of put him out there and see what he does in the bullpen. Can he handle that kind of you know scenario? Because it's a little bit different starting versus relieving, which is you know a very obvious statement. Sorry, but. It's just it if he can handle that kind of stress, that kind of mental pressure, and if his stuff does tick up, you've got a potential like you know all star closer on your hands, in my humble opinion. So I would rock with that. That would be my choice for the twenty six man roster. And again, on the offensive end, it's it's not like I'm doing a lot of you know big time detective work, and I've got this hidden gem. I mean, the entire starting lineup is already set in stone, barring injury. The bench is really just going to be, we need guys that aren't going to get sad because they're sitting on the bench. We need guys that can, you know, kind of fill in at a couple different spots and provide some level of value. And you've got that. If you get David Fletcher, he's a veteran. He's been around. He's been in bad situations. He's been in decent situations. Forrest Wall is the most dangerous pinch runner in the game right now. And then you're always going to have one of those catchers um, on the other end. So it'll, it, it, the, Biggest question is more of who's going to fill those last couple bullpen spots because you don't even have to worry about like, oh, after like these two or three guys, the quality kind of falls off. It really doesn't because I'm looking at the list. and I mean, if you've got Iglesias and Mentor as your top two guys out there, now you've got Jimenez and Pierce Johnson who both had ERAs in the twos with the Braves. Ronaldo Lopez was great last year. Aaron Bummers had a great history of success. And then, I mean, Hernandez and Kerr are just two guys that haven't gotten a ton of innings at the major league level, but they've both bump 97 98 with some kind of off-speed pitch i'm it really just comes down to like who which um which flamethrower do you want and ray kerr specifically i don't know how long he'll last on the team because i've heard that tyler matzik is going to start the season on the il but when he comes off i imagine he'll take ray kerr's spot as another lefty out there because I mean Tyler Matzik's earned another shot considering what he did in that 2021 postseason, and I'm really excited to see him back on the bump. He's one of my favorite players, so I that'll probably end up being the bullpen that you see for most of the year with Tyler Matzik and Ray Kerr spot. But everybody else, I imagine, will be in the exact same spot. Again, we'll see. But as for season expectations, what can we expect from the Atlanta Braves? Spencer Strider said it best. I, it, it might be championship or bust at this point. This team is too good, too talented, too deep, and too stacked to be only winning division titles and flaming out in the division series. Now, I don't, I don't want to blame the postseason format entirely, but I do think it's a contributing factor. Hopefully, third time around, the Braves will figure out a way to counteract that. I do see them winning the division again. I the Phillies have have kind of tread water like they didn't make any big time significant ads they just re-signed Aaron Nola and then kind of maybe made some additions here and there on the margins but I don't I don't necessarily see them they're, they're the biggest threat by far because the Mets have taken a step back they're no longer spending more money than God ever created and the Marlins and the Nationals are 
I'm not concerned about them. The Marlins have not added anything on offense and the Nationals are still rebuilding. So it's really going to come down to the Braves and the Phillies. And again, I, the Phillies seem like <laughs> the Phillies are a, a team that kind of slowly builds up. And then when they get to the postseason, they peak. Ideally, the Braves can win another division and either avoid the Phillies in the playoffs, or we can play them and figure out what we've done wrong the last two years and beat their brains out. Because the Braves, and again, are, I think are a better team than them, especially on paper. But games are not played on paper. They are played on the field. And that is why the Phillies have beaten the Braves back-to-back years in the division series. So that's it, that's the that's the skinny. That's the dirt, quick and dirty version. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm not going to get too... In, into the weeds because it's it's all about winning that ring in October. It's all about getting a parade down down Peachtree Street and getting to celebrate with the fans and win a World Series. And that's what the team seems to be in. And I think specifically the addition of Chris Sale has a chance to really help with that just because uh, Chris Sale is one of those like fiery competitors. And I'm, I think that there's that's something this team has been missing, but I'm not in the clubhouse every day. I don't know what, what their kind of process looks like. I can just tell you that on the field, there's way too much talent on this team for them to just be flaming out in the divisional round. They got to be making NLCSs. They got to be making World Series. They got to be winning rings. And I'm very excited to go on this journey. I'm excited to see what happens here. Um, but the Braves have got to. This is <laughs> this is the year that I. It's there's no more like excuses right like if they don't win a world series at some point or if they don't get past the divisional series with this kind of team it's like okay well so maybe we don't have the right guys maybe there's something else that the braves need because you know fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me fool me three times we we've got to have a talk here so but again the journey is going to be fun i imagine this team will be really really good it's going to be very fascinating to see the comparisons between the braves and the dodgers throughout the season because they are both hilariously stacked with talent but that's going to do it for us today with the atlanta braves talking about their season projections uh up coming up next on the what's the good word we'll be talking about georgia tech on our normal georgia tech weekly podcast we'll give you all of the athletic news and then we're going to talk about the hawks and we're going to really dive into what exactly is the problem here and what should we expect for the rest of the season after the all-star break is done but thank you for tuning in if you have any comments questions concerns want to tell me how wrong i am about a certain player how right i am give me a hidden gem or give me your personal predictions for what the braves are going to do this season you can email me at joshua julian 26 at outlook.com again that is joshua julian 26 at outlook.com also if you are really into prospecting and kind of trying to figure out who the next best players are in the nba nfl mlb you can follow me on tiktok at sad atlanta fan 1113 sad atlanta fan 1113. I post a ton of prospect videos there. I'm breaking down the NBA draft. I'm breaking down every team's top 10 prospects. I'm going to start breaking down NFL players here soon. It's um, it's my hidden passion, and I would love to hear y'all's comments over there, too. So just email me, follow me on Instagram, shoot me a DM, uh, follow me on TikTok, do whatever you got to do. But thank you for tuning in, uh, and thank you for coming to your one-stop shop for all things Atlanta sports. And I just have one other question before we end the show, and that is, what's the good word? What's the good word?